You're listening to the Steve Fund Speak On It podcast. The Steve Fund is one of the leading nonprofit organizations in the United States that promotes the emotional well-being and mental health of students of color. The goal of this podcast is to create a space for students and professionals alike to come together to discuss a plethora of topics relating to mental health and the challenges that Black, Indigenous, and people of color may face during their academic and professional careers. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by our hosts and guest panelists on the show are their own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of the Steve Fund. It is important to note that the information shared on this podcast cannot and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with a health or mental health care professional. If you or a loved one need help, please reach out to a health or mental health provider or the Steve Fund Crisis text line, which you can access by texting Steve to 741-741. Thank you and enjoy. everyone and welcome back to Speak On It. Today, Kaylin and I are joined by Shannon Lee, president of the Bruce Lee Foundation and host of the Bruce Lee podcast, among other things. I read her incredible book this year, Be Water, My Friend, and I highly recommend that you all go out and read it. Thank you for being here, Shannon. It is my pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me to be here. Of course. And also, um, huge shout out and thank you to my brother, Albert, for being here. So does everyone want to introduce themselves? Who is not Shannon? Sorry. <laughs> Kaylin, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I can go. So I'm Kaylin. I go to school at the University of California, Berkeley, and I'm majoring in computer science. And I've been a part of the Steve Fund for around three years. And I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> and I'll go next. Um, hi, I'm Danny. I'm the other co-host of this podcast. I'm a sophomore at Harvard studying English and music. And I am, yeah, I've been a part of the Youth Advisory Board here, and I'm, yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Elver Bell. I am a freshman at Georgetown University. I have a huge love for the arts and culture, and business has pretty much been my conduit to understand all these things, um, because I love the way that it, businesses interact with one another to get people their needs. So... I'm a humble student, very happy to be here. Awesome. Amazing to meet all of you and talk with all of you. Yeah, great to meet you too. And um, one of the many things that you speak about in your book is self-actualization. And we'd like to center this episode on that concept, what it meant to your father and what it means to you. I think in this world, it's easy to get hung up on one facet of someone's being, such as their career or academic identity, but Bruce Lee's concept of self-actualization seemed to include and embrace the entire person. But um, that's kind of a, a brief intro. And then we wanted to do an icebreaker, Rose, Bud, and Thorn. So Rose is something good that has happened this week. A Bud is something you're hopeful for. And a Thorn is something that like bugged you. And you can do it in any order you want. Rose, Bud, and Thorn. A Rose is something beautiful. All right, let's get into it. Let's see. So something good that happened this week for me has been being able to present my presentations to my boss at work. And they're about understanding a, a certain type of brand, whether it be a streetwear brand or a techwear brand, and then understanding where its retailers are, how it's funded, and what their look is. And I think that I was able to provide a value 
to our brand and our company because we're launching a menswear brand soon. So my boss told me I did well, and I'm super excited to learn from my mistakes and my, what I did well and make another great presentation. Um, what I'm looking forward to is watching Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with my friend today. So I'm super hyped up. I bet I'm probably going to see some Jeet Kune Do kicks in there somewhere in the animation. So <laughs> I'm, that's a wonderful thing to see. Um, and then, so something that went well, something that I'm looking forward to, and something that went a thorn. A thorn would have to be um, not participating as much as I would like to in my past religious retreat because I felt pretty down and I was going through a low part in my mental health. Mm. So if I had a time machine, I'd rewind back, get her another shot. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm sure you will get another shot. And um, and thank you for participating in this. Like, I think this is awesome. And I'm so happy for you at, at work. That sounds awesome. I'd love to hear more about it later. Thanks, Liz. For sure. <laughs> um, I can go next. So I'll start off with my thorn. I think the biggest thorn for me it would have to be the really hot weather it spiked up to like 100 degrees this past oh weekend, or still the weekend but it was like in the 60s literally a couple days ago and I was freezing and now it's super hot and I'm not ready for it but it is here anyways so <laughs> I'll live with it um and then a bud something good that has happened or that will be happening this week and something that I'm looking forward to um I get to start on a new project at work because um, it sort of relates to my rose for the week where I got to actually complete one of the projects I was working on. And it's been about like a month and a half. So like finally completing like a project that I was assigned from like start to finish has just been really rewarding, especially when a lot of times with coding, it can take a really long time and it just gets really difficult sometimes and you'll run into a lot of errors. But when it's finally completed, it's like, oh, okay. That was not too bad. <laughs> I guess I'll go next. Um, yeah, I mean, same here. Like the thorn is just how muggy it's been in New York. Like it's like you walk out and it's like you get hit with like a wall of steam. Well, it was like that a few days. Today it actually wasn't too bad. Um, we were like outside doing like lawn work and it was like pretty relaxing and like just getting to connect with nature. So maybe that can be my rose. And then my bud is... It's probably this conversation. And then also tomorrow, like a belated Mother's Day gift for my mom. Um, we're going with her to help her design custom lipstick, like at Lip Lab. I don't know. I just saw it and I was like, this is something she would like. So we're going to go do that. So I'm looking forward to, to that. Awesome. Um, my rose is that uh, just on Thursday, um, season three of our show Warrior uh, debuted first three episodes on Max. And it's a particularly big rose because our show had been canceled previously and we fought really hard to get it back on air and we got it back on air. And now it's finally available for everybody to watch. And I'm super proud of it. So it was amazing to get to celebrate with all of the cast and crew for that. Um, congratulations. Uh, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, a bud is that um, I'm working over the weekend on an animated project that 
I'm excited about and hoping to move to the next phase, um, which is super exciting. We've never done animation before, so it's super exciting. And I can't wait for it to fully blossom. And I would say a thorn is um, probably just, you know, I've been going through a little bit of a reset physically because I had some testing done and my microbiome is kind of off. And so I'm having to take all these supplements and sort of reorganize everything. So I've just been sort of churning through all of that and maybe not feeling my best um, because of all of the um, reset that's happening. And also just, you know, ever wanting to work on myself to sort of like what you said, Elver, it's like if if I could have a time machine, sometimes even to just go back to like this morning and be like, you know, instead of like sitting around and staring at my phone for an hour, I wish I'd just gotten going a little bit faster, you know? So I think it's just a continual check-in with myself and reset for myself and to um, want to really create what I want for myself in my own physical body, so... Thank you for sharing. That was awesome. Thank yeah. you for sharing, everyone. Um, yeah, same. Like sometimes I'm like, it's almost become a ritual for me to look at my phone for an hour every morning, and I'm like, when did this start happening? I, don't know. I realized I used to do that, and so I deleted social media again. And um, we'll see again, how I think the longest I've done is like a month, because then sometimes you just need to connect with other people and. Sometimes you have to realize it's about finding like a balance, not like getting rid of it completely. Just understand not too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can really relate. I also went from like a month's time as well. So just practicing like what's good for me. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Because it does so many good things too. So it's like, I don't know, personally, I don't want to get rid of it completely, but I <laughs> sometimes do feel like I need a vacation from it. Um, yeah. Right. So, okay. So to jump into our conversation, thanks again, everyone, for sharing. Um, Kaylin and I and Albert had the privilege of hearing you and your daughter, Ren, speak about mindfulness at the Youth Mental Wellness Now Summit last summer in LA. It really got us all thinking about how we could incorporate mindfulness into our daily lives and how young people should be approaching meditation in this day and age. And this is just like a question I was curious about, like how what does your like daily meditation practice look like and do you and Ryan ever meditate together and if so like what's your favorite setting you know um so here's the thing about me personally I am a person who uh, struggles a little bit with routine and by routine I just mean um you know very structured uh repetitiveness and <laughs> so yeah and so actually you know one of the things that I talk about and talk about this in my book is that all strengths have a weakness and all weaknesses have a strength right so it's very easy to look at something like that and think of it as a weakness but it's also very easy to look at something like that and see it as a strength because I can um be very fluid. I can move from one thing to the other. I enjoy that. Right. But then sometimes with things that are practices that are good for me, 
it's hard to be like, okay, I have to do this again today. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. um, For me, I think there are many different ways in which I engage in mindfulness and or meditation. And I think that this is an important um, way to approach this conversation because we are, we can be so hard on ourselves as we all talked about just a minute ago with our thorns, right? Like we can be very hard on, Oh, I didn't meditate today in the way that I should have meditated. Right. And, you know, one of the things that my father has taught me, even though he's not here through his own words and practices and writings, um, that there are many different ways to meditate. You one of the ways, yes, you can sit quietly, legs crossed, eyes closed, you know, and do a very formal meditation practice. But you can also meditate while moving. My father used to meditate when he would jog or he would walk around our backyard and meditate. And really, it all depends on what type of meditation practice you want to engage in, what works for you, and finding your way to, to that. And mindfulness, which isn't exactly meditation, they're very similar, but a mindfulness is a way of meditating. It's just a way of like staying really present to where you are in this moment right now. Right. And not letting your mind shoot off into the past and worry about all the things you didn't do right, or shoot off into the future and worry about all the things you have yet to do and will you do it right? Right. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm here right now. I'm here with all of you right now. And this is all I have to worry about. When I get off of this, off of this conversation with all of you, I'll worry about what I need to do next at that time. And maybe worry isn't, is the wrong word, right? I will step into what I need to do next. And so I think that there are many different ways to practice mindfulness and meditation. For me, it does sometimes look like sitting on a cushion with my eyes closed (laughs) meditating. And I try to do that as much as, as possible. I also like to just sort of practice what I said, being very present, very present. when not letting myself race off into and get caught up in my mind, but get caught up in my surroundings. What am I doing? Being very engaged with this conversation or the dishes I have to do or the food I'm going to cook or the person I'm talking to on the phone, right? That is actually a form of meditation in a way. It's a form of full attention and awareness, right? So I guess I really try to practice this aspect in my whole life. And it doesn't have to necessarily just be, and sometimes I tune out also. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to binge watch this show for an hour, you know, and just turn mm-hmm. everything down. But I think the power exists in the choice. So I think that when I decide, you know what, I'm tired. I don't have the energy right now. I'm going to watch this TV show, if I choose that, then I have more agency in it than if I mindlessly just get sucked into something. So, um, and then I feel bad. But if I say, you know what, that's what I'm doing right now. 
then I've given myself permission. You, you like own it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I love that because um, I guess we should never like feel like there's not an opportunity to be mindful because there's always an opportunity to be mindful, even if you can't like sit on a cushion for a certain amount of time. Um, yeah. And I, the other thing I relate to is like the routine thing, because my theory is that sometimes creative people struggle with routine <laughs> and I think everyone's creative, but I think um, it's, I think it's about like making it work for you, but also sometimes what, like what routine looks like for one person, that's not how it's going to look for the next person necessarily. But um, like, I guess the other thing is I'm curious about like your creative endeavors. Cause I know like you have the TV show warrior that you're working on. And I remember in your book, you kind of had this turning point of when you were like away from that whole scene and then you decided to like, like insert yourself into it and like um, pursue a career in like film. So I'm just like curious about that. Like, what was that turning point like for you? Well, I think one of the things that I've come to know about myself is that I, I love being creative and um, I do believe that we are all creative Um because I believe that the creative act is actually in how to live your life. Like, how do you, how do you want to create the life that you're living? Right. So I consider um, running a business, a creative act because I'm choosing how to run it. I get to make those choices, decisions, try things um, and set the environment and the tone for what I'm doing. Um, but I love, uh, writing, you know, I've written the book, I've written treatments for projects. Um, I, I, you know, love the producer side, getting to try to put these things together and birth things, right? Like birth is the creative act, right? And I also just love birthing myself every day. You know, I mean, my, my father called himself an artist of life. And truly, that's what we all are. And I think we can really look at each one of ourselves as creative in that endeavor, right? And it's not just about like the outside, um, the outside uh, manifestations. It's about the inside manifestations, right? Like, like what I said, like choosing what I'm going to do with my time or my energy or choosing a more positive direction versus a more negative direction, right? Like that's all create creative act. That's all like, like saying, oh no, this is, this is the co-creation I want to have with my time and my energy. So, you know, I've really loved getting to, um, get back into creating when it comes to film and TV and um, it's been a fun journey and it, it's been a journey of a lot of learning, which is awesome. And that's how we grow. Do you feel like more connected to your dad when you're doing stuff like that? I do. You know, I feel more connected to my dad because, you know, as you said at the beginning, he was really into self-actualization. Right. And so I feel more connected to my dad when I'm working on self-actualizing. Right. Yes, I feel close to him when I'm like, oh, these were his projects and his ideas that I'm helping to give life to. But the part that I feel connected to is the I'm helping to give life to, right? Because that's where I really come in to what he maybe laid some groundwork for, right? And it's been hard. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There, 
<laughs> as, as Bruce Lee's daughter, there's been at times I've put a lot of pressure on myself to be excellent in a way that he was excellent, which as we know, he was like crazy excellent. It's a very high bar and one that, you know, I could torture myself over not hitting in the way that he hit it in his life. But that's not what he wants for me. And it's not what I want for myself, right? Because that's just a lot of pain that I'm putting on myself. So I really hold on to that self-actualizing piece, which is what Bruce Lee wants for you is to be the best and most fulfilling version of you that you can be and not to go out and try to be like him. Can you explain more about what self-actualization looks like for you? Sure. So self-actualization literally means like making a reality out of yourself. And of course, you're already doing that because you're here, moving through time and space. But are you really paying attention on the inside to who you are? Are you really getting to know yourself so that you can make the choices you want to make so that you can cultivate like how you show up in any given circumstance, right? Like how you show, how you show up is really the important thing because as we just said, like sometimes you can see something as a strength or you can see it as a weakness, but if you choose to see something as a strength, then you're choosing to show up in a position of strength, right? And you're choosing to be compassionate toward yourself for some of the things maybe you're not, you feel like you're not doing as well as you could be, right? But we're all doing our best in every moment. You know, some days uh, we don't feel great, right? And so we don't do as well on those days. And that is 100% normal, 100%. And so... And the idea of self-actualizing is really just sort of taking responsibility for the self, getting to know the self, and then expressing that self out into the world, you know, and stepping into yourself as much as possible, you know, like being able to say, you know, hey, this is not what how I want to be. This is more how I want to be, you know, and then aiming in that direction. Okay. It's sort of like having autonomy over like everything that's happening in your life, sort of like taking control. So here's the thing. We don't have control over a, a lot of things in our life, right? Like we don't have control over things that happen. Like I didn't have control over my dad dying or my brother dying, or, you know, if I didn't get a job or I didn't right? like those things were out of my control, but what is in my control is how I respond to it. And that's part of self-actualization. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and that doesn't mean that you just glibly are like, oh, I'm just going to be positive about everything. Like that's, it's, it's about actually being really honest with yourself, feeling your feelings, and then, and then, you know, doing some personal investigation to understand like, well, why am I feeling this way? How can I work with that? How can I shift that? What are some tools that I have at my disposal? What are some people that can help me, you know? And then slowly over time, shaping 
your inner landscape or your attitude, right? If you want to call it a simple thing to, um, to be in the direction that you, that is more useful and more helpful and more supportive of you and your life. So you said three things. You said taking responsibility, knowing yourself, and then the last one I couldn't get down. Expressing that self, you know, my father was all about expressing himself. You know, he, he shared who he was with the world. And he did that really beautifully. And he shared a very unique expression because he did those first few steps, take responsibility for himself and know himself really well, and then cultivate that self and work on that self, right? And then express that out into the world. I guess the question I have about getting to know yourself, how do you get to know yourself? I feel like do you think that most people do have a good sense of self-actualization? I mean, listen, I think we all have a sense of it, right? Like we're all living our lives. We know like, oh, I like pasta and I don't like whatever, you know, <laughs> like that's very surface level, right? Or this is what I really enjoy doing with my time or this is a hobby I'm really interested in or these are the types of books I like to read. Like all of those things are important if you look around your environment and what you engage in, it is a reflection of you, right? So it's a reflection of your interests, what moves your soul, what speaks to your heart, what engages your brain. But I don't know how many people take the step back to really to really understand that in a way that gives them an extra layer of understanding of themselves. You know, as human beings, we repeat patterns a lot. I do. Everybody does, right? Like you have something that, you know, triggers you, right? You hear that word all the time, a trigger, right? And so you, something triggers you and you fall into a pattern of behavior that um, a lot of times you feel very justified in having. And it's not that you aren't justified in having it, but the question is, is the pattern and the reaction serving you? Is it serving you in your life? If it's not serving you, then you need to know yourself, right? You need to look a little more deeply like, where's that reaction coming from? Is it from some experience I had as a child? Is it from some belief system that I'm holding about how the world should be versus how it is? Is it some belief system that I'm holding about how I should be rather than how I am, right? Is it is there some perspective that I need to, to really consider? Is there something more I need to learn about myself or about the world in order to step into a different way, you know? So it's really, and my father talked about this all the time, it's about breaking patterns, breaking through cycles of habit and response and reaction. And the only way to do that is to know, to be able to really look at what your reaction is, right? And that is knowing yourself and and be very honest about it. Okay, so like it's looking more at 
why your reaction is the way it is. Sure, that's part of it. Reaction is part of it, right? Because you want to be able to navigate obstacles that you're facing a little bit better. But also you want to know what you love, right? Like, what do I love? What makes my heart sing? Because if I know what makes my heart sing and make my soul feel really good, then I can move toward that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we have this idea like, oh, we should all just be able to do our dream job and our dream whatever. But sometimes these things that we love are things that we can encourage through things that maybe we don't love as much. Like if I'm in a job that I don't love, but I need this job and it's and I need this money that this job is paying me, and I don't have the wherewithal right now to pursue something else. The idea is, how? what is it that I love in myself, and how could I bring that to this place and this job that I'm in right now? Do I love people? If I love people, then maybe I could spend some time getting to know the people that I work with, right? Maybe I can bring this to the people that I work with, right? And engage in more authentic relationship. And that would make my job more palatable to me, right? And if if not there, and if not that, then what, right? So it's not just about getting to know like the difficulties, but also getting to know the strengths and the positivity and the, and the beauty and the things that make you, that make your heart sing and how can I incorporate that more into my life? It made me think about, well, I had this thought earlier today when I was mowing the lawn and I was like, I'll just say God. Cause like I was raised Catholic and I believe in like a form of God. And I feel like God is calling us to be co-creators in our lives with him. And so like, instead of like just a future being written out for you or whatever already, like, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but it's also a mystery because it's kind of hard to understand because it's like, we do have free will and we do get some say, we do have like a choice. And so we're kind of working with the universe. And that's why my dad says he loves gardening because he feels like he's kind of participating in that. This takes me back to what we started with, which is mindfulness. Mindfulness is a co-creation because you're not just like shut off to what's going around you. You're aware right? And in that awareness, you're really feeling into, how do I feel in this moment? Is this what I want to do? Or what's happening right now? Like, how can I engage in, you know, like cleaning my room in the, in the way that I really want to, rather than just like throwing stuff in the closet and shutting the door, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) tossing stuff in the bin and closing it. (laughs) And sometimes you have to do that. Like people are coming over and you need to make the place look okay. But you know, like that mindfulness is about a co-creation of awareness with what you need and what you want and what you want to do in that moment. So I know that you mentioned that your dad would go running and that would be his form of meditation, right? When you're meditating while running, that's just sort of being very present in what you're doing because you want to be there and you like it, right? That, yes, that's part of it. But also, also, um, so meditation while moving or running Meditation in general, let's just talk about that for a minute, is one of the great practices about meditation is about creating some space, right? So creating mental space, 
creating inner space, being very connected to your body, your breath, your mind, right? What it's doing, but also about allowing yourself to step into the role of the observer and the feeler, right? To step into the role of your bigger awareness, your consciousness. And why is that important? And why is that powerful? Because one of the things that that is really a big effect on our mental health is that we get really caught up in our feelings and our thoughts, right? Like we really identify so strongly with them that we feel we are them. But when you engage in mindfulness or meditation, you have an opportunity to step back into the observer position. So you're having feelings and you're having thoughts, but you're also witnessing yourself having them, right? So it's like, you can say like, God, I'm so angry right now, you know, and the observer can go, well, look at, look at how angry you are. I wonder, and in that space, you can have some curiosity about it, right? You can go, I wonder why I'm so, what about this making me so angry, right? Whereas if you're overly Mm -hmm. identified to the feeling such that it's taken you over, all you know is this, this, right? You don't have the ability to step back and go, wow, look at me. I'm so, so angry. And I think it's important to have that practice of stepping back into the observer position because it tells you something. It tells you that there's something else present in addition to whatever thought or feeling you're having. And that something else that is present is you also, right? So it means that there's a part of you that is able to witness and be very present and very aware of your inner life and even your outer circumstances and surroundings without getting fully sucked into it. And the beauty of that is that gives you the space, if you practice it, to then be able to make a choice about how you want to respond or how you want to work with what you've got, right? So when you're running, you can allow that space to sort of open up, right? you're running, your body is fully capable of moving without you having to tell it what to do, right? Which means that your mind is free and your senses are free to experience while your body is just doing what it's doing, you know? I'm sure all of you have had this experience where you're in the middle of, it's wild how much your mind can a- a- account for and accommodate for. You're in the middle of like giving a speech or presentation. And as you're speaking the words and giving the presentation, you're thinking, oh, I have to remember this next part that's coming up, da, 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 da. right? So like the mind is wild and very capable. And so I talk about this through our work at the Bruce Lee Foundation, which is What we want to do is we want to work on sort of training and cultivating the landscape of our mind to be our ally rather than to be the thing that drives us over the edge. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. I think prior to this conversation, 
I wasn't a big fan of meditation. I my idea of meditation was just like sitting on the floor and just like closing your eyes. And I would fall <laughs> I've tried it, like I would just sleep. Um, but then you mentioned, it's okay, by the way, that's good. <laughs> but then you mentioned like you can meditate while you run and just taking that space to sort of just think and do all that sort of stuff. And I like to run a lot. And this past week I was just running. I only planned to run like two miles, but I ended up doing five. And as I was there, I was just like thinking, I was like, I was just running and I felt, okay. I felt a little sad partly because at work, there's a lot of like stationary, you don't get to like move around that much, especially when you're on a computer. And I like to constantly move. So I'm always walking down the hallways and like the office. And as I was running, I was sort of thinking like, oh my God, like I can't be, I feel so tired. I sat for like eight hours today and like, I just want to like, I just, I don't know. I think a lot when I run and sometimes like I forget that that's part of just, you know, maybe part of meditating. <laughs> totally. Well, you know how sometimes you get these random sort of genius inspired ideas when you're like taking a shower, <laughs> right? Or you're in the bathroom, right? And it's because your your body is sort of engaged in whatever routine you're doing, but your mind is given this, given the permission not to have to concentrate on something really. Right. And in that loosening and that space, you're giving your mind sort of the freedom to sort of wander and randomly let other things in, right. Let these ideas and inspired thoughts in just like when you're running, you're starting to realize like, Oh, I'm, I really like to move and it's kind of sucks that when I'm at work, I have to sit for so long, but ultimately, you know, you, then you can start to figure out, well, how can I start to move more at work? And, you know, maybe not where you are right now, but maybe one day you can get one of those, uh, treadmill desks, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> or you can set a timer and say, okay, I'm going to every, you know, for five minutes out of every hour, I'm going to get up or after two hours, I'm going to get up and stretch and go for a little walk and clear my head, clear my head. That's sort of what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. 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 I've definitely been like, whenever I'm running, I'm like trying to, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, okay, well, if I get to work, I can take a break from this time and I can bring my running shoes. I can run at the company gym for like 20 minutes and then I can go. And just like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> it's important. And, you know, another thing we always talk about, my father did too, is this mind-body-spirit connection, right? So like if your body, you know, you giving your body that outlet is giving your mind that outlet. Like your physical health is attached to your mental health, which is attached to your energetic health, right? And so... You know, we like to think of these things as separate, but they're not. They're all housed in this container of our body. And so giving yourself that, I'm going to go run for 20 minutes, that gives your whole being a reset. That's really important and really healthy, right? Yeah. Do you think that technology can often like detract from aspects of self-actualization? Like if you don't allow your mind to think during those like calmer mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really challenging. We talked a little bit at the very beginning, right, about social media and <laughs> getting sucked into the pit of social media. A lot of companies are just doing a lot of fast media. Like there's like YouTube shorts, Netflix shorts, or I think like 
fast laughs they call it on yeah. Netflix. I'm just they're trying to make a lot they of little their own name for it. Attention span is really short now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you in 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 Buddhist practice there's actually three different modalities that are really useful for um increasing for self-actualizing, okay? And um one is meditation. And that's sort of like really stepping into that void space, that nothingness space. One is concentration. So really focusing your attention on something, right? Which is also really valid way and modality for cultivating oneself, right? Really concentrating. And then the other is contemplation. And contemplation is sort of the in-between space between meditation and concentration. And it's this sort of loose place where you're not totally in a shut, like a quietude of meditation, but you're also not in an extreme focus of concentration, but you're allowing your mind to sort of run in the background and like be open to considering and imagining and, um, you know, picking, uh, thinking about, you know, very loosely without a lot of um, pressure on something. And that is a very useful state also, because that's the place of dreams and imagination and ideas and, um, consideration for oneself and how you're feeling and touching back in and all of that. And so I think sometimes technology that boom, 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 fast, fast, fast. And it's all just like here, it's all like stationary and sitting can be really taxing, taxing on your body, on your mind (laughs) and on your energy ultimately. Right. Like when I say mind, body, spirit, I use the word energy for spirit, you know, because it's that sort of nebulous sense of am I, am I, is my energy up or is my energy down? Am I feeling connected to things or am I feeling isolated? Right. Like, so I like to use the word energy because I think it's a little easier for us to grasp onto than spirit, which has, you know, many different connotations to different people. So I do think that technology can be challenging. My dad was a prolific reader. He had over 2,800 books in his library. And when he would read, he would stretch at the same time. He almost never was just sitting still, you know, and he needed to get up and move and he needed to be work, you know, making sure his body was feeling good so that he had the energy to concentrate, the energy to contemplate. And ultimately, when it came time to be very still, he had gotten a lot of that energy out of his body so that he could be very still. So I just throw that out there. (laughs) I think it's rough. I think it's rough. Look, the thing that's great about life is that it will push you into an ex- to the extremes, right? So we're going to find out where being pushed to the extreme of technology is going to lead us. And at some point, 
whenever we're pushed in an extreme direction, the extremes tend not to be sustainable and they tend not to feel very good after a point of time. And that's in that moment when you get to decide, oh, you know what? I don't feel good right now. I'm going to do something different. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like you have that choice, like outside of work or whatever, to like do what makes you feel good. And and I, when you were talking about technology, Kaylin, it just made me think about and like work. It just made me think about how like it's like we make all these machines and use them, and it's almost like we're kind of turning ourselves into machines. <laughs> Started thinking about that. And then when you were talking, Shannon, about like the three different modalities in, in Buddhism to I think self actualization and um. Like, it just was reminding me, like, how much, like, it's just, like, reconnecting with, like, your aliveness and, like, oh, I'm actually, like, alive. I'm not just a machine. Like, <laughs> um, there's, like, some more nuance there. But I think it's good to have, like, discipline, too, because that's the way that you accomplish stuff. And, like, reading your book, like, it, it sounds like your father had a lot of discipline around a lot of things, like, even though he was also kind of free-flowing and creative. So it was really cool how he was able to strike that balance. And, he was always pushing himself. And this kind of brings me to like my other question, which is like, how can we have a healthy approach to goal setting? Because like once we're listening to our heart when it's singing, once we're getting in touch with what we really want to do and move forward, like how do we like love and accept who we are and where we are now while also wanting to see improvement and want to move forward? Like how can we like find a balance between those two things? Yeah, I mean, this is the question, right? <laughs> It's um it's really challenging to have healthy balance. And the thing about balance is you know when you're balanced because you've been out of balance, right? So you it requires being out of balance in order to find balance, right? So you have to kind of allow and allow yourself the op the um experience of being a little out of balance in order to find balance so this way in which we're so harsh with ourselves and beat ourselves up so so much right is a really out of balance way of of viewing life which life motion is being out of balance. Walking is being out of balance. When you lift your foot up to take a step, if you don't put it down again, as you <laughs> you're going to fall. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like you have to be out of balance to maintain balance, especially as you're moving, right? Like it's a constant flow. And so we have to be so much more self-compassionate. Yes, like this is how I find out, you know, that um, this thing doesn't work for me is by doing, is by having that experience of not working. This doesn't work, right? But I think one of the things my father said, which is really great about goal setting is that the point isn't to reach the goal necessarily. Mm -hmm. The point is to have something to aim at. You may not actually ever get there, but in the aiming at it, you get to go on the path of discovery. And in the process of that discovery, you might uncover that you don't actually even want that, right? <laughs> but that's yeah. but that's okay, right? Like it's okay because you moved towards something. 
And as you move towards something, if you're like, oh, wait, no, that's not it. Then you can go, I'm going to move toward this over here. Right. But at least you were moving. At least you were moving somewhere. (laughs) I kind of reminds me of that one quote. It's like, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss it, you'll land on the stars. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, so my father's quote is sometimes a goal isn't meant to be reached. It, a goal is meant to give you something to aim at. Because we all have this idea in our mind about what we want, but we don't actually know whether we want it until we start moving toward it and until we get it, right? And once we get something, um, even if we really wanted it, right, like there's then the next thing. Sometimes like whenever I finish something, I'll just like be super happy. I was like, oh my God, I finished it. And then I'll just sit there like, <laughs> like when school, there's like a brief period between school ending and then work starting. And I'm like, I have all this time. Like, what did I even want to do? I keep a list. This is so crazy. I keep a list of all the projects I'm working on, all personal work. You know, um, I keep a list of all of the things I want to do because sometimes I find myself in a place just like that, where I'm like, okay, uh, I don't have anything to do right now. And I can't even think about what I can remember. What are some of the things I wanted to do? Like books I wanted to read or shows I wanted to watch or people I wanted to remember to call or, you know, um, museum I said I wanted to visit or a restaurant I wanted to try. Like, and, and those lists aren't there to make, to overwhelm me. They're there as like a fun pick and choose, you know, like, oh shoot, I forgot. I've really been wanting to, you know, write this personal letter, whatever, you know, or, oh, you know what? I've been meaning to clean out this closet forever. And of course it's not what I want to do, but I have the time in the end. I feel like I could do it right now. Like I really am a proponent of, just having a grab bag of like all of what's possible around you so that you can choose. And sometimes choose the thing you choose is like, you know what? I have nothing to do right now. I am going to just take a nap, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, actually, that reminds me. Yesterday, I was just hanging out in my room. And then my sister, she's like four years younger than me. She just randomly opened my door and was like, Kaylin, I'm going to take a nap. And then she closed the door and left. And I was like, okay, (laughs) there was no need for that. But thank you for telling me. Yeah, totally. She's spreading the nap culture. I don't know. I follow the nap ministry on Instagram and they they talk about like rest and the importance of rest and how it balances out all the other stuff you do in your life. And like, they talk about like rest as resistance and yeah, I guess it's like part of being alive because as, as a person who is alive, you need rest. <laughs> yes. You really do. You really, really do. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard if you don't have rest. Um, but speaking of rest in a different sense, I remember you saying, Shannon, that your dad used to stretch and read books. Mm-hmm. And that immediately made me think of Einstein, um, where he would sit in his rocking chair, have a ball in his hand, and start to fall asleep. And as soon as the ball would fall, he would kind of snap himself back up. Mm-hmm. Have a certain practice like that. And in a, in a sense, I think this is what you were talking about earlier, when it comes to the contemplation aspect of these modalities, 
-hmm. that makes me think about the emotional and the rational mind because these are like our our own yin and yang like when it comes to our capabilities mm -hmm. um, but then it goes even deeper as to what this actually is because then there's the mind body and spirit so and you said that the mental health transfers to the physical health and that transfers to the energetic health and so how much of this energy is really ours and and how do we use our emotional minds and our rational minds to, to tap into this pool of energy? Yeah, oh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I have my own beliefs about um, all of this, right? But uh, I, and I'm not here to, um, convert anyone to my beliefs. I think we're all on our own journey and we're all trying to figure out how to have this balance and what our feelings and thoughts mean for us. And I think that the best way to approach it personally and the ecosystem that is our thoughts and feelings and our body, right, is um, that your emotions are, are clues, right? And so we get really identified with our emotions because they're very powerful, right? And, and they're very, it's powerful experience for the body, you know, and, um, cause it's the body that express that is feeling the emotion, right? And, and it's very hard when a strong emotion hits to step back from it and just allow it to be, right? Without feeling the need to manipulate it or control it in some way. Um, because a lot of times, especially if it's an, un if it's a pleasant emotion, we're all for it, right? We're like, yes, I feel awesome. This is great, you know? Um, but notice too, that those emotions pass, right? Um, no emotion stays around forever. If you allow yourself enough space and time, life is ever changing, right? Um, but the nice thing to notice, especially about the difficult emotions is that that's the same for difficult emotions. They don't, they will shift and that they are clues more than anything. They're just clues to, um, what holds meaning for us, what we might need to look at inside ourselves. And I think that the biggest issue is that we have a tendency to try to control our inner landscape by controlling our outer landscape. We say, if we just had this job or if this person just weren't such an asshole, or if my parents were more, you know, understanding <clears throat> about this that and the other, then I would be okay. And the truth of the matter is, is that um, when I said about taking responsibility and using contemplation and concentration and meditation, it's to really feel into um, what's happening in here and work with what's happening in here, right? Because you can't change another person but you can influence a change in another person by changing yourself. And, you know, I think we have a tendency to think, 
oh, well, why should I have to change myself? You know, and it's not that you have to change yourself in any way. Shot to the ego. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Shot to the ego, right? Like, I shouldn't have to change myself. That person should have to change. And it's not about having to change yourself. It's about wanting a different experience for yourself, mm -hmm. right? And so I'll give you an example. I was working on this project with a, with a partner, a business partner that I was not happy with. And every time that I would talk to that person, I would get all irritated. And then I would be irritated when I got off the phone. And then I would be irritated when I was talking to other people. And then I started to think of the project as an irritation because of this person. And finally, I was like, oh, hold on. This person is, that's how this person is. That's just them, right? And my being irritated is not helping anything. In fact, it's making me feel bad. My irritation is not going to change this person at all, right? So I'm in control of my response. So I was just like, I'm just going to accept that person. And then I'm just going to look at myself and go, okay, well, why is this irritating me? Is it irritating me because I'm feeling like, um, my voice isn't being heard or I'm not being respected. Am I respecting myself in this exchange? Am I expressing myself appropriately in this exchange? Am I giving too much of my power away to this person in this exchange? How can I change my way of looking at this in order to be able to not put the weight of this negativity on the whole process and on this project and on everything, right? And why would I do that? I would do that so that I feel good, right? Like it's not giving that person a pass because I continue to speak up and continue to express myself, but rather than doing it from a process of irritation or feeling like I can't fully express myself because they won't understand. I just give myself permission to be fully myself, express myself, and not attach myself to that person or their response or any of that. And in doing that, I'm giving myself agency and I'm allowing myself to be a full participant without holding myself back. And now I've lost a bit of the thread of your question, but <laughs> no, it is at all. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm rambling on here um, about all of this, but um, you know, I guess my point just being that, like, um, I I think sometimes we get caught up in wanting to change the world rather than in wanting to change ourselves. And then I think we sometimes get really righteous about, well, I shouldn't have to change myself. And it's not about changing yourself to be different from who you are. It's about accepting who you are and wanting to step even further into that. What you're saying, Shannon, is really cool. I think a lot of times there are a lot of people in my life who, in my opinion, and I think for the general like opinion, I just think that they're sometimes just like outrageously wrong. Just, I just... Sometimes can't, I, I struggle to see from their point of view how they're correct. 
sometimes it's it's just it's just nonsensical it's not it's not common sense i don't know and sometimes it'll irritate me so much and that i just let that consume how i feel for the whole day and it just kind of ruins it but sometimes i just need to accept that some people are just different and you know just take some space away from that but anyways mm -hmm. i really you're a business partner sometimes people can be a little bit much <laughs> yeah and i'll tell you um sometimes it helps if you can think of it this way um all of us are product of a huge and complex stew right and it depends what you believe in as far as as to how big you want that stew stew to get right so like if you believe in past lives or if you believe in ancestral trauma right like that stew can get pretty complex but we're at the very least the product of our influences, right? So our family life or some important person in our life that has been an influence on us, especially from a very young age and who has helped to condition the way we perceive the world. And so, you know, and we don't know everybody's backstory and, and that's yeah. something to really remember, right? Um, and so if we can remember that, like that person is coming from that perspective because, and they believe that because that's their conditioning, you know, we don't maybe know exactly what the conditioning is, but it's their conditioning and our conditioning is different. And I think the other part is that um, this is a, a world of dualities, right? Like right, wrong, good, bad, da, da, da. And we get very caught up in that. But the idea is to try to use those dualities to help us see a bigger picture. Yeah. You know, and and to not give away your power just to that reaction, right? So that you can take your energy back and go like, okay. And it listen, is really hard to do. <laughs> your energy. Some battles are not worth fighting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so sometimes I think humor actually is a really good way to go about things, because sometimes when I see someone who's acting in a way that I find to be spectacularly out of bounds, um, <laughs> I just sit back and go, wow. OK, wow, that exists, you know, and in their existence of that of their experience they're going to push energetically against a boundary that will have its equal reaction on the other side right so like all this horrible things that are happening in the world are also creating people to step forward and help correct them right so it's this complex stew and it's not a great experience but the way that um, a lot of the time, but the way that we can protect ourselves in it is to understand that this is the constant motion of life and just continue to ask ourselves, how do I want to feel and how do I want to show up in it? Yeah, I think that's really great. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I think now is a great time to do our key takeaways from this conversation. Uh, would anyone like to start off? and just say any final thoughts? My key takeaway is probably like 
when you were talking about this, Shannon, like being, when you're so present to something, you can kind of like discover something new there that you maybe didn't even realize was there before. And it's also like kind of naturally you're going to move on to the next thing. And it just reminds me of like yoga, like when you're doing a, a stretch and like you're, you're feeling like you're getting a good stretch and then over time you're naturally going to want to stretch more, but there's no need to like yank your leg into like a weird position because then you're going to hurt yourself. So <laughs> I think like, yeah, like being with yourself, being compassionate with yourself and listening to yourself. I think all those things really came up for me during this conversation and, and like what you were saying, Shannon, like embracing where you are exactly and who you are instead of what or how you think you should be. That can be kind of a distraction sometimes. And, um, and I practice, I'm getting into practicing meditation consistently. And we were talking about running and walking around in circles and like when I was mowing the lawn, I was like kind of going in a circular fashion and, and that was even meditative for me. So like just um looking forward to embracing all the, the opportunities I have to meditate that I might not have noticed before. So that's my takeaway. Awesome. Love it. Oh, would um, you like to go next? Yeah, I, I so I'm left with a ton of questions, excitement, exploration. And I think the biggest takeaway that I got from our conversation has been the visual of walking. Shannon, you talked about that. And when you put one foot up, you're in a state of uncertainty. The foot could go anywhere. But as soon as that foot goes down, now you're, you're set. You're, you feel connected. You feel um, concrete almost. And I think that's a great way to visualize this this thing that we call life in in many of its concepts. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think my key takeaway from this conversation is probably that you can meditate while moving, like running. Like I said before, I had a really firm opinion of meditation. And I think before... um, Danny and I, like months ago, when we were talking about having a podcast and one of the conversations is going to be about meditation, I was like, okay, well, maybe do you want to take this conversation, take the lead? Because I don't think I really meditate at all in my life. But I think after today's conversation, realizing that you can meditate and be mindful and self-actualize while moving and realizing that I actually do do that, I think that I can more mindfully run out (laughs) and just think a lot more about a lot of things because my mind is racing 24 seven and I think running and having that ability to take a step back and just think about everything is going to be really I guess (laughs) life-changing you know another great way of meditating is you know those coloring books that are like these complicated mandalas or nature scenes or something like that sometimes coloring is also a really nice way of just letting your mind sort of float and relax. Um, it is, is another great way. We've, we've done that a little bit at work. Sometimes it's like, okay, let's just all take a break. Let's pull out our coloring books. (laughs) (laughs) Engage in an enjoyable, like, you know, easy to, engage in activity that allows my mind a little free play. I think sometimes meditation can be thought of as mental free, free time. You know, it's like recess. (laughs) (laughs) My takeaway from this conversation is um, 
really how thoughtful and um and mindful all of you are in your desire to um learn and grow and also um assess your own experience and um i really appreciate that and um i really appreciate the level of conversation and how engaged all of you are um here but also in your own lives with your own experience you know my father had a quote that is a really great formula which was research your own experience add what is useful reject what is useless and add what is essentially your own so it's like take what's useful reject what isn't working for you and then just to cultivate it into like your own thing like what can you bring from forward from your very essence into your experience and just really remembering that um life is trial and error and mm -hmm. if we just got everything perfect all the time you know it would be kind of boring after a while and we would not grow you know yeah i think that's really powerful and once again, thank you, Shannon, so much for having this conversation with us today. I'm sure we all. Thank you, Shannon. It was so good to meet you. Thank you so much. Guys, I hope we can keep in touch. This was really, really lovely. And I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. And one more thank you to Shannon for preserving Bruce Lee's legacy for the future generations. Thank you.